Hello, my friends, and welcome back to the Freestyle Weight Podcast, where we talk about maximizing life. And uh, I hope you enjoyed the last episode with uh, my friend and coach, uh, Tony Dam, and uh, you enjoyed his story. I I felt like it was a great opportunity for me to do a long-form session with someone, and his story was so uh, special that I felt like cutting it up and chopping it up uh, was almost unfair. So uh, I I hope you enjoyed that and uh, that you got something out of it. And if you did, make sure you go check him out on Instagram. Go say hi to him. His handle is transformation of life separated with underscores 714. His full name is Tony Dam and uh, I'm sure he would love to hear from you. Anyways, uh, as I'm trying to figure out what this podcast really is, I realized that um, I have so much content floating around the internet that uh, creating an audio experience here that is extremely diverse is actually easy to do. And as I explore uh, what this venture really is, which I don't really know yet, I feel like there's an opportunity for me to share some of the stuff that I've done in the past, which I believe are super valuable. And one of those things that I came across uh, today, actually, this morning as I was doing some research, was this talk I gave in Berlin back in 2014, where I was invited to an event called Alive in Berlin. And I spoke about the concept of communication innovation and leadership and I thought I would share that with you uh, here on the show and uh, allow you to enjoy it uh, in this format so this is something you can listen to in the car or as you're going for a run and uh, it covers some of my story of uh, me growing up doing gymnastics and then getting into the world of fitness and finding CrossFit and how all of that was simply a place of discussion discovery for me to see how to translate the principles and values that I learned into everything else that I do. So uh, that's what today is all about. It is a live talk that I gave back in May of 2014, right before I released my book. And uh, I'm excited to share it with you. So I hope you enjoy and uh, I will check in with you in a bit. It was an easy decision for me to say yes to this event. I uh, am fortunate enough that I get to speak at events like this. Uh, but as she said, I, I do uh, work a lot in the world of CrossFit, which is a fitness modality. And uh, it's something that has been around for a long time, but now is starting to pick up some speed. But myself, personally, I'm a, a strength and conditioning coach. I'm a fitness coach. I'm a gymnastics coach, and uh, as of late, people consider me a movement coach. And it's something that took me a while to figure out and put my finger on. And today is about movement and about feeling alive, which is the topic of this whole event. But I'm going to try to talk to you guys a little bit about the power of movement and how it helps with communication, 
It's very basic, how it can help us innovate, and how it can help us become better leaders. And I think all of you guys are sitting here uh, with the need of gaining some sort of information, adding value to your practice, to your life, to your relationships. And just because I have a specialty, which is human movement, doesn't mean I am defined by that. And this all started when I was a little kid. I was a very scared kid. In fact, I was so scared that I didn't dare to do anything. If it was a sleepover with a friend, I would not want to go. If it was going to school, I was sitting there crying like a baby because I was afraid. I don't know what I was afraid of, but I was afraid. And I was scared and I was paralyzed. Eventually, uh, my mother, who was a super supporter, got me to you know, break out of my shell a little bit, and I managed to actually go to school. And uh, she thought it would be a good thing for me to do uh, some sport as an extracurricular activity. So they put me in a gymnastics program, non-competitive program that would happen at my school. And my first day, of course, I was extremely scared, but something happened. As soon as I started moving, I started feeling different. And I don't know exactly what it was, but the feeling allowed me to go through that hour that I had of practice and feel good. And this is something that I experienced at the age of six. By the time the end of that year, that school year came around, I actually entered a competition, my first competition. And my mother was extremely worried. She thought I wouldn't show up for the competition. But I ended up showing up. And something pretty crazy happened. When I stepped out on the floor, another person was there. I wasn't thinking. I wasn't conscious. I was just doing. And if you've ever competed or been in a stressful situation, you may have felt that moment where you just act. You just do. And nothing can stop you. It's amazing. And that carried me through my childhood, and gymnastics literally saved my life. By the time I was 16, now I was getting strong, I was feeling good, and I had discovered this thing called the Olympics. And I discovered the Olympics by seeing a picture of one of my coaches doing an iron cross on the rings. And I asked one of the kids that was there, I said, well, what is this iron cross? thing and where is he and he said well that is a ring movement and it's a pretty advanced one and it's something that you see at the highest level of competition the olympics and i said you know what i want to go to the olympics so every day of my life was dedicated to making it to the olympics in fact i was so obsessed about making it to the olympics that i wanted to go to bed early just to close my eyes and imagine myself going to the olympics winning the olympics standing on the podium receiving my medal it was vivid i would look up flashing lights i was a star number one carl powley very exciting by the time I was 17, I started getting a little cocky. And I was at this camp, and there was a trampoline, and I was doing some tricks on the trampoline. And uh, usually in gymnastics, it's not co-ed. It's just men and women. Well, this one uh, happened to have some girls around, so I thought it would be a good idea to show off. 
So I started showing off, and uh, I was doing pretty well until I pulled off uh, a slightly bigger trick than I could handle. And I ended up landing on my head, and uh, I had a sprain and a fracture in my neck. Broke my neck, and fortunately, I only felt tingling in the hands. But I was walking, I was okay, but it set me back eight months. And it didn't just set me back physically, but it also set me back mentally. I just didn't know what to do. And I tried to work with my coaches on figuring out what can I do to get back, to make it to the Olympics. And there was no solution, because gymnastics is one fits all. There's a rule, you follow that rule. That's how it goes. And uh, by the time I was 18, I was still competing. I became national champion in Spain, where I grew up, and that was fantastic. And by the time I was 19, I had to make a decision. Did I want to try to struggle with this, or should I move on? And I decided to move on. And I said, you know what? I'm not going to the Olympics. The Olympic dream is broken, but I'm going to go to school. I'm going to become an academic. And that was the future. Being Swedish, the Nobel Prize sounded very nice. Why not? Let's go for it. Uh, but I didn't know what I wanted to study. But as I quit gymnastics, I found wakeboarding, which is water skiing behind a boat, but on a board. And during the winter, I liked snowboarding. And the coolest thing about those sports was that there were no rules. Do whatever you want. Just go. And I realized that gymnastics carried over to those sports. All of a sudden, I had this skill set that allowed me to perform a new sport with ease to the point where it was just go and do, and all of a sudden, I was a rising star. So I thought, okay, there's no real high-level competition at the moment for action sports. There was the X Games was starting to pop up, but it didn't really exist. So I said, I still need to go to school. I heard about environmental science, and I thought, why not environmental science? That will allow me to be close to nature. I can be on the mountains and by the water, and I can practice what I want. So I went to school, but the first day of school, there was a professor there. And the professor said that the future was genetic engineering, microbiology. So I said, you know what? I am the future. So that's what I'm going for. I'm going to go and do genetic engineering, and that's my focus. So I did that, and if you know me at all, I can't focus for more than five minutes. So being in the lab was not very good. <laughs> so I said, okay, I can't see what I'm doing. I don't understand this. I need to go into the macro world. So I decided marine biology would be a good option because it would get me close to the water and I could be wakeboarding, which took me to Singapore. And all of a sudden, I'm in Singapore. And as a 20-year-old... Wakeboarding is a very expensive sport, so I was quickly broke, had no money as a student, and realized that, okay, I can't go to school, and I can't practice this sport, what am I going to do? Long story short, I ended up going back home, lived with my parents for a little bit, made some money, and then went off to the U.S., and I actually took a job in the U.S. working at an animal hospital, and it was for marine mammals specifically sea lions that were wounded or sick, we would bring them in, we would heal them, and then release them. And my job was to show up at 5 a.m. and to make sure that all the bodies were alive. If they weren't, I had to go in and carry this massive animal out and dispose of it. 
Another thing I had to do was enter these cages and feed the animals. And when you try to feed these animals, they get very aggressive. So you have to go in with shields. And you're doing this thing, dancing around, trying to protect yourself. And my favorite job was I had to clean up the poop. Right? So all of a sudden, one day, I was cleaning poop, and I thought to myself, how did I go from the Olympic dream to this? Shoveling poop. I was feeling pretty upset. It's kind of depressing. So I decided, okay, marine biology is maybe not my field. Maybe I don't like this. I need to do something to keep me excited. And I went online, and I found that there was a job opening for a coaching position, boys gymnastics, recreational, no competition. So I said, you know what? I know something about gymnastics. I'm going to go in there. I'm going to start coaching this thing. And I did that. Took the job, and my first day, as soon as I walked through that door, I was superstar coach Carl Powley. Here we go. We're going to the Olympics. <laughs> it was obvious. This six year old with snot hanging down his nose was going to make it yes or yes. That was the way. And I would line them up, small to tall, and I would say, This is how we're going to do this, and they follow the orders. After a few months, I was driving over and I started thinking, maybe these kids don't really like me. <laughs> and in fact, I don't like them either. <laughs> and this right here was the pivotal moment of my career. And this is where the topic of communication comes in. I decided, what if I just ask these kids what they want to learn. Let's see what happens. So they came in, they were all standing, small and tall, ready to go, and I said, sit down. They were standing small and tall, but eventually they sat down, they, they believed me, and I said, all right guys, we're gonna change here a little bit, and I just wanna know, what is it you guys really want to learn? And one kid was raising his hand, and he said, I wanna do perfect handstands. I wanna do the Iron Cross. And I said, that's a lie. What do you really want to do? And one kid said, well, you know, I have a tree house. And I want to jump out of the tree house. And I want to survive and run away. <laughs> I'm like, all right, that's kind of cool. Another kid said, well, you know, I want to run up a wall and backflip off of the wall. I'm like, that is awesome. Why didn't you say this earlier? So I said, here's the deal. Every week, we're going to use one of your desires, one of your movements as a theme. And I'm going to use what I know, gymnastics, as a tool to teach you that. How does that sound? And they're like, sure, whatever. But what happened was that they became self-directed. They would come in, and they would lead themselves. They knew exactly what they wanted to do. And not just that, they were developing a relationship with me. We were going back and forth. Athlete-coach relationship existed, and we were building together. And it was so remarkable, the progress that we saw, that the parents that were watching said, we want to participate too. And I said, you know what? We're in the U.S., free country. All you have to do is sign 20 waivers, and you can come down, safe. The first thing every single athlete wanted to do was jump on the trampoline. 
put me on the trampoline. I said, well, you know, first we have to start walking, and then we'll go on the trampoline. Trampoline, customer knows best. All right, trampoline. I don't know if you've ever been on a trampoline, but I've never seen a sad person on a trampoline. <laughs> so the next day, I would get the call. Carl, fantastic session. You are the man. I'm like, thank you. There's only one problem. From my butt to my head, my back is so sore I can't get out of bed. My arms are so stiff I can't reach to wipe. <laughs> and this was a problem. So I said, I have a solution. Strength and conditioning. We're going to prepare you. And the strength and conditioning that I knew was gymnastic strength and conditioning. So I started doing all the basics. Straight legs, pointed toes, leg swings, little L seats, iron cross work. Why not? You're 40, 50, just, just do this thing. They got a little stronger, but one person started saying, my wrists, my wrists are starting to hurt. I got some aches and pain. I said, no worries. In gymnastics, we have this tool. It's called athletic tape. And we just tape the crap out of it. And we just tape it as tight as possible, numb it. You won't feel a thing. So we did this so much that eventually one of my clients walked in and she looked like a mummy. And she said, I look ridiculous, right? And I said, yes, you do. <laughs> and then she said something that hurt me, which was, maybe gymnastics is not for adults. I said, I'm an adult and I do gymnastics, why wouldn't it be? But maybe she was right. So I started researching, and online, people were talking about fitness, and that the solution to all the problems that we see in sport were in functional movements. Functional movements were the solution. So I went into functional movement training, and I took a job at a health club. Bunch of machines, beautifully folded towels. Things were fantastic. It had an in-house education program. I learned a ton. And one of my main things was to go to the office in the back and to look at where I was ranked amongst the 3,000 trainers in the nation. I started at the very bottom. By month 11, I went in, and I remember I couldn't find my name. And I was wondering, where am I? Well, I was at the top. I was number one. And also, I'm like, Carl, you are the man. Number one. Unfortunately, when I walked out of the office, I saw my first client of the day, and my client had no results. They looked terrible. I had sold a bunch of personal training packages, but I had delivered zero on what my original proposal was. I had delivered. So I got a little depressed, and I took these guys, and I said, you know what? I'm going to take you to a private training facility, and I'm just going to test on you guys. So I started testing with them, and eventually, I found different styles of lifting, which led me to this thing called CrossFit. And CrossFit is a fitness program that involves Olympic weightlifting, gymnastics, and endurance. And the first time I did it... I went in there, and uh, there was a coach by the name of Kelly Starrett, who's a very well-known physical therapist in the world of, of uh, sport and fitness. And he knew I was a gymnast, so he catered to me. And he gave me exactly what I wanted, a little gymnastics body weight movement. And one of the tests was hanging from a bar with one arm. Who could hang the longest? We're in a room like this with a bar, and we're hanging. And people start dropping like flies. And I was the last one hanging. And I was like, Carl, you are the man. <laughs> Same thing with the left arm. No problem. 
Another test was one push-up with as much weight as possible on your back. I was competing against this football player, linebacker, big guy, if you've ever seen one like this in the U.S., they're huge, and I beat him by five kilos. So I thought, Carl, CrossFit is the solution, and this is for you. This is great. The next time I came in, there was another coach, and he said, you know what, I'm going to teach you how to squat today, which is just basic lifting. So sure, no problem. And he partnered me up with a girl that weighed maybe 47 kilos or less. And I said, you don't understand, I am the man, <laughs> and uh, I'm going to crush this little girl. Well, you can imagine what happened. She crushed me, and my thought was, this girl is crazy, and CrossFit is dumb. <laughs> it was that easy. Third day I came in. I had paid a membership, so I had to come in. Third day I came in, I did a real CrossFit workout, which was lightweight, kind of fast, high intensity, and I survived, but everyone was writing their scores on a board. Everyone would write, run over to the board and write scores, and they had 350, 320, and I was down here, 62. <laughs> I was getting annihilated, but what I started doing was I was taking exactly the workouts that they were giving me, and I start giving them to my clients. And one of the formats that they use is a rep scheme that says 21X push-ups and then 21 pull-ups, for example, or 15 squats, 15 sit-ups, nine jumps, nine whatever you want to call it. So they have these rep schemes. So I ended up taking exact numbers, exact movements, 21.59 squat pull-up, and I would give it to my first client. Second client of the day, 21.59 squat pull-up. Third client, this is personal training, individualized attention. <laughs> 21.59 squat pull-up. The crazy thing was that they all got better, and they're like, Carl, you're a genius, and I said, I know. In fact, I was so good at delivering that message, at communicating that message, that people started inviting me to seminars. And they said, Carl, why don't you come to a seminar? I'm like, sure, I'll do a seminar, 21.59. Easy. And eventually, I got invited to international seminars. And there was on a trip to Sweden, I started thinking, how is it possible that I'm getting invited to talk about CrossFit and this 2159 formula when I haven't even invented it. And this may have happened to you before, where you realize you're just copying and relaying the message, but for some reason you're successful and you can't really put your finger on it. And it wasn't until I went to this conference and there was this neuroscientist talking about child development and he said, Kids, in the early stages of their life, they need to learn a very basic skill. And that skill is reading. They need to learn how to read. But the reason they need to learn how to read is so they can read later on to learn new things. And that's when it hit me. I wasn't teaching 2159. I wasn't teaching CrossFit. I wasn't teaching gymnastics. I was teaching movement. And it was about learning how to move 
so you can move to learn. And that's what this is all about. Life is about movement. If you're not moving, you're probably sleeping in a coma or dead. <laughs> right? Movement is life. It's as simple as that. And that's what I was doing. And that's what I was teaching. And that epiphany led to me owning 2159 in a way where I was speaking the language of movement, which is universal. And how this relates to communication is that physical movement, body language, is 70% of our communication. You don't need to tell me that you're happy if you're smiling. Right? You can even cry of joy, and I can know that. We are able to read each other. We are already master communicators. We have to, like Greg said earlier, stop and listen to our body. Our body talks to us in feelings, and we respond with action. We don't react. Sometimes we do. That causes problems. But when we respond, something different happens. And this is what I teach. I teach basic movement. And right now, you're all sitting down in your chairs, and you're maybe focusing your attention on me. But if you take a second and just think about how you're sitting, pay attention to where your hips are, where your legs are. Are you crossing your legs? Are you crossing your arms? Are your hands on your hips? Are your hands crossed? Where is your head? Do you feel any aches or pains? That is your body talking to you. And it's not until you unlock all these little kinks that are in your body that may be holding you back that you actually fully are able to express yourself. And that's what happened to me the day I stepped onto the floor in gymnastics. And like the late Zig Ziglar would say, action is emotion. And like Michael just said, just do. I promise you, you will feel. And when you feel, you will know what the next thing is. Does that make sense, guys? Do you see what I'm talking about here? The way I teach this to coaches, health practitioners, and anyone that's interested in body weight movement is through a very basic framework. And I take movement and I break it down into basic body positions. I have starting positions that I address. Let's say I'm walking. My starting position is standing. I walk. I have my finished position. It happens to be standing. But in the middle, there's a transition. I have to lift my feet up. In sport, what happens is during the transition, as I go from start to finish, is where I start running into some trouble. When I have a lot of weight on my back and I'm performing a squat, at the bottom of the squat, sometimes my knees cave in. That knee caving in puts some stress on my back, puts stress on my knees, and eventually could cause harm or not allow me to successfully perform the lift. This morning, Greg was talking about holding on to something right here, your start. And then you know what your finish is, but this transition is kind of confusing. And you know that it can get complicated and risky. So it's how do you create a progression? 
And that's how I look at it. I look at movement as a start, transition, and finish. But position doesn't just relate to the body. It relates to life. The expression that happens in between each position, in between each stage, is movement. It's life. It's your career. It's the process. And that's what we see. We can define it through the positions. But where that movement really takes form is when we say we want that execution to be perfect. In the world of performance, like in any world of performance, it's all about show me perfect execution. Show me the numbers that go with it. You've heard that before. Show me the data, right? Prove it. And in the world of fitness especially, or in the world of sport, everyone knows what perfect execution is. This is how your back should look. This is how your knees should be. This is how your feet should be. If you've ever talked to an engineer, is there any engineers here in the, in the room? Any engineers? Yeah, one. We get pretty square, right? We know exactly what's going to happen. We have a plan, and we're going to stick to that plan until the end. That is totally fine. But know that that plan is defined and is specific only by the purpose. It's why, who, when, how am I going to perform that movement? So position, movement, purpose is how I study movement. But it's how you can study your life. I relate movement to life because our position is our role. What roles do we have to go through in life? What is my start? What is my transition? What is my finish? And how am I constantly evolving? What is my purpose? Why am I doing this thing? Oh, now I know. That actually defines how I go about my life. In strength and conditioning, in fitness, as I said earlier, functional movement is what it's all about. And functionality, what it's really referring to is, does it serve a purpose? Is it applicable? And that's what you have to ask yourself. Are your skill sets, are your ingredients, like Pam said, actually forming part of that body, like Pam said earlier, and transferring into helping whatever it is you want your process to be, whatever it is your ultimate goal should be. And you can study it even further by looking at what is happening at all the small details and broken down levels. What is happening at shoulder level and what's happening at elbow level? What's happening at wrist level? Or if you're building something, you can think about what do all the pieces look like? What are the pieces of that puzzle? That's the local aspect of things. Pinpointed aspects. Then we have... The global aspect. What does the general thing look like? And how does it fit the big picture? For example, in movement, right now, you guys are all sitting. We could technically say you're all in the same position. But locally, at joint level, you are all different. You're all sitting with an arm in different positions. You all go about life in a different way. And here's where we run into trouble, is we are so bound by the rules and standards that we get caught up in that. I'm supposed to sit like this. I'm supposed to do work like this. I'm supposed to live like this. Who says? 
at the end, it's really you. But what's really interesting is that the sum of what's happening locally and all the little details of your life and globally in general adds up to a style. And I call that style freestyle because every style is different. And the most important about that is recognizing that we can go from one style to another easily. And this is what I discovered when I was going from gymnastics to wakeboarding. And a lot of people thought, wow, your style is very unique. You're so innovative. All of a sudden, I was an innovator. When I was saying 21.59 to all my clients, using the skill set that I had and just delivering it, they thought I was an innovator. But what I was really doing was just making it relevant to them. I was taking my skill set and I was making it relevant to the person I was talking to, the person I was coaching. And that right there is the foundation of education and the foundation of innovation. Now, as I said, human movement, physical expression is the most basic form of communication. But we're not wired to just communicate with ourselves. We're wired to communicate with each other. And the, real, the reality of that is that we do this in order to develop relationships. So I want to do a little experiment. And I think we have some time. I would like five volunteers, ideally, that are wearing pants. Because we're going to be moving a little bit. If you don't mind showing your business, come up with a skirt. That's fine. But I would love five volunteers to just come up on stage with me for a second. Anyone? Come on over. One, two, three, four, five. Come on over. All right. What's your name? Michael. Michael. Nice to meet you. Sabina. Sabina, nice to meet you. We know each other now. Hello. Come on up. Thank you for participating. What's your name? Reggie. Reggie, nice to meet you. Nina? Nina. Lena. Nice to meet you, Lena. All right. So we have a group of people right here. In life, in fitness, it's all about setting a standard. You're going to go from this position to this position. And we're going to see what happens. So in this case, individually, we're going to take a seat. Just sit down. However you want, just sit down. The standard that I'm going to set is... I just want you to finish in a standing position. I just want you to stand up. Go ahead and stand up. They all made it. Congratulations. <laughs> Interesting is they all made it safely, number one. They came out unharmed. And they all did it differently. No one got upset. A lot of people get upset. Don't do it that way. That's wrong. Right? Have you heard that before? My way, my way is better. So this is what ended up happening in society. Come down. Sit down. Society sets some rules. Simon says. Yeah. Carl says. Hand on your head. Hand on your head. Without moving the hand from your head, go ahead and stand up. They made it. Now what's happening is you guys start looking alike. Everyone has the hand on their head. Right? Great. 
Awesome. Let's sit down again because we need to make this thing even more universal. Two hands on your head. Don't let your hands move. Go ahead and stand up for me. He made it. <laughs> This could get tricky. Sit down. Two hands on your head. Just pick one foot up. Without the foot touching the ground and without your hands leaving your head, stand up safely, please. If you don't make it, sit down. Just stay down. If you don't make it, stay down. Okay. You're up. Yeah. I need everyone to stand up. You need the team to stand up. I don't know. You tell me. What do you want to do? You can do whatever you want. You can take your hands off your head. Whatever you want to do. You're also allowed to help. Oh. Nice. Thank you very much, guys. Thank you. So here's the deal. What happened with this group dynamic? Is that first, they just were acting. They did what I told them. They kept on doing what I told them, and I was like, yes. They believed me. Eventually, they got to the point where there were some roadblocks. And you notice them struggling. Where did I put my foot? How did I do this thing? And then one person stood up, and he looked at me. Boss, what do I do? Do I, do I go over and help? Yes. Because that's what a normal human being is wired to do. Do you guys see And not just that, you coach them. Are you a coach? Yeah. You are. What kind of coach? Uh, um, uh, helping people stand. Uh, you help people stand up? <laughs> you just can't plan this stuff. Actually, I will, uh, I will be delivering the uh, presentation yeah? next year. Phenomenal. I can't wait to attend. And then, yeah, I, the future is right here. The future is now. It's true. So here's the deal. All of a sudden, they had to move. They acted. It created some sort of emotion. They're like, oh, that was harder. There was a struggle. And what I had done is I had removed as many variables as set stronger standards for them and made them move in a way that they weren't comfortable with. And eventually they ran into some sort of roadblock and they didn't have a solution to get out. Usually what happens in life is that you hit these roadblocks and you're like, ah, I struggle, I don't, I'm not going to make the Olympics, why don't I just quit? Maybe right around the corner the solution is there and you just missed it. 
But more importantly, is that because we're wired for relationships, what naturally happens, if we allow it to happen, which was something that you had almost asked me for permission, was to help. And that happens through body language. Just came over and picked them up. And this right here, being able to get up off the ground, is what we train. In the world of fitness, I teach people how to get up. I teach them basic squatting. Can you get up and down? I teach them basic pushing. Can you push yourself off the ground? They did. They pushed themselves. They were pushing with their arm as they were standing up. They were squatting with their legs. When you had to help them, you had to pull. I teach people how to pull. And then I do that in ways that looks like a pull-up, a push-up, because those are universal forms of pushing, pulling, squatting mechanics that are tools to relate to everything else in terms of being able to move. But it only happens if we're able to communicate. And what's cool about skills is that Even if they're there, you constantly have to train them. You constantly have to practice them and develop them. And that's what this is all about. If you weren't able to stand up, there is more in the tank. The good news is we have solutions. Let's start training. Let's start developing. Let's not be scared of seeing what is next. That's what this is all about today, about finding the next level. Make sense? Cool. So in terms of communication, mastering your body language through movement, whatever it is, just being conscious of it, that is something that's going to help you communicate. And how you do this is by asking the question, how can I help? What do you want to learn, kids? Or simply stopping and listening. They will tell you. And you can serve. That is fundamental communication. And it has to go both ways. Innovation is taking something that already exists. Packaging it in a way that makes it relevant to others. It just appears to be original and seem like innovation, but it's just relaying information in a way that happens with education. That's why teachers are such powerful communicators. And leadership is one, not being scared of taking action. But the main thing about leadership And this is something that I truly believe in and I get to see every time I travel and speak to a group is that there's a group of people. I may be sitting in the group or I may be speaking, but there's always a group of people and someone that is leading the crew, is emceeing a little bit, guiding them. The group is just ready. I want to participate. I'm here. I'm doing this thing. And usually there's always a challenge. It may be life, it may be a sport, it may be a workout, whatever it may be. And they do this thing, and it feels completely unconscious. You're just going. But when it's over, every single person ends up surviving. 
And what I'm talking about there is that they come out on the other side, a new person. And they come out a new person because maybe during this process, they had the epiphany of, I made it. Or I set a new record. I figure something out for the first time. I got an A in my test, mom. Hear what I just said there. I got an an A in my test, mom. Immediately after, they don't keep it inside. They go and tell someone. People, when I was doing CrossFit, went to the board. 350, 325, and I was like 60, 10, right? They went and shared it. And here's the deal. Back to my obsession of the Olympics. When I wanted to go to the Olympics, I would imagine myself on the podium looking up and the flashing lights and everything was awesome. But as I grew older, I thought, what would happen if I went to the Olympics, I stood up on the podium, received my medal, looked up, and the stadium were to be empty? What if... I tried to call my family and no one was on the other line. All of a sudden, that victory would mean nothing. So the victories must be shared. We need to share them. And anytime you share a victory, we immediately see progress. If you've ever watched the Olympics and you see someone set a new world record, just a little bit later, it pops up. New world record broken. Another world record broken. Records start being broken left and right. And that is what this is all about. It's about sharing our victories so we can see progress. And if you ask me, progress is success. Because we all want to leave a legacy. And how are we going to keep seeing progress and make sure that our words, like Greg was talking about earlier, carry on for eternity? That moment you share that victory, that thing that just happened to you, that moment becomes a reality. That moment becomes eternal. Becomes progress. And that right there is success. And the good leader is the one that can do all of the above. Communicate through body and education. Make their skill set relevant to the team. And then share the victories in a way that it can carry on forever. And if you ask me again, success always ends up with some happiness. And happiness is how we want to live our life. And I think that is what being alive really is. Thank you very much, guys. And that was that for today, my friends. I hope you enjoyed that talk. I certainly did enjoy going back in time and listening to what the younger Carl had to say. It was uh, quite interesting to me to see how my values and principles remain the same, but the expression of them are constantly changing. That being said, if you're enjoying this expression of my work right now, this podcast, it would be super helpful if you went to uh, one of the platforms and you rated it and gave it a little review 
that would give it some visibility. And the other thing you can do is if you have the Anchor app, you can message me there. You can send me a voice message and I will be able to actually feature those messages here, whether they are questions or concerns or anything you would like to share. So I'm uh, extremely open to this. This is part of the process. This is actually the essence of what the freestyle way is all about. And uh, here we are. We're doing it. So I'm excited. Um, that's all for today, guys. That's that's uh, all I got. I hope you guys are having a good one and I look forward to the next episode.